Chapter Thirteen of the Combined Maze by Mason Clare. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Thirteen. Ransom had barely risen from that sleep of exhaustion when he realized the disastrous character of the night's adventure. He was no longer uplifted by any sense of sanction and of satisfaction of the pride of life there remained in him only sufficient to prevent him from regarding his behaviour as in any sense a shame and a disaster to his own youth otherwise his mood was entirely penitential he could not look at the thing as it affected himself however it might be for him he had wronged violet and that was calamity enough for any man to face according to all his instincts and traditions he had wronged her of course he was going to marry her he was going to marry her at once as soon as ever they could get their bands put up it never occurred to him that delay could in such a case be possible for from the very moment of that morning after in ranny's heart there was an awful and a sacred fear a fear of fatherhood it was the first thing he thought of as soon as he could think at all he wanted to put violet right at once before a suspicion of that possibility should have crossed her mind it would have seemed to him abominable to risk it to wait on as fellows did on the off chance of a reprieve till she came to him poor child with her whispered tale that to ranny's mind was where the shame came in not in the fact but in the compulsion of the fact it was intolerable that any man should have the right to save his own wife that he had been forced to marry her hence his desperate haste violet couldn't understand it she didn't want to be married all at once she said there was no hurry that he couldn't afford it that there was no rhyme nor reason in it let them go on as they were a bit let them wait and see in all this ranny saw only a tenderness and a desire to spare him but he stood firm he was not concerned with reasons and with rhymes he wouldn't wait he wouldn't see and this astonished violet and secretly enraged her he absolutely refused to go on as they were for his fear was always before him it was no doubt to that refusal of his that he owed violet's consent his family were appalled at the news of ranny's engagement it was so unexpected so unlike him and how it had happened ranny's mother couldn't think she knew all his comings and goings for the last year his temperance and discretion had given her a sense of imperishable security she had made up her mind that ranny wasn't one to be in a hurry and now she had been right only in her prophecy that when his time came there would be no holding him and there was no holding him they had all tried it they had all been at him his uncle randall and his aunt randall and his mother and his father for the first time in his life mr ransom was roused to take an interest in his son to acknowledge him as an adult capable of formidably adult things and though they all told him that he was too young to know his own mind that he was doing foolish and behaving silly under the show of disapproval and disparagement it was clear that they respected him that they realized his manhood and that he was somehow important to them as he had never been important in his life before what was more rage as they would at it they were impressed by ranny's firmness his unalterable and imperturbable determination to marry and to marry the unknown violet usher and on the main issue they gave way 
they owned that it was natural that the boy should want to marry they saw that he would have to marry some day and his mother went so far as to say she wanted him to marry and to settle down what they did not understand and most certainly did not approve of what they did their best to talk him out of was the awful hurry he was in there wasn't any hurry they said there shouldn't be when he was so young he couldn't afford to marry now but he could afford it very well in two years time why he was only twenty-three and in two years time he'd have got his next rise and he'd have saved more money if you'd wait ranny said his mother but the two years and his father and his uncle said he must wait but ranny wouldn't he wouldn't wait six months no and he wouldn't wait three months and look about him he wouldn't have waited three weeks if it hadn't been for the bands it was no use their talking they knew it it had been no use their talking seven years ago when ranny had refused to become a pharmaceutical chemist and had given no reasons because the only reason he could give was that life would be intolerable if spent in the perpetual presence of his father and he didn't give them any reasons now before the ransoms and the randalls knew where they were the bands had been put up in wandsworth parish church and in the parish church of elstree in hertfordshire and violet had been twice to tea he had looked for opposition down at elstree in hertfordshire fierce and insurmountable opposition from mr usher that father who had been so harsh to violet it was incredible that violet's father would allow him to marry her it was incredible that her mother would allow it he would just have to marry her in spite of them but as it happened the attitude of mr and mrs usher surpassed probability not only were they willing that he should marry violet they desired that he should marry her at once the sooner the better mr usher said if young ransome could marry her to-morrow he'd be best pleased it was almost as if mr usher knew but of course he didn't he couldn't possibly know he would have scouted the proposition altogether if he hadn't had three other younger girls at home it wasn't ranny reflected as if violet was the only one so far from putting obstacles in ranny's way mr usher positively smoothed it understanding that the young man was not as you might call it rolling he said there wasn't much that they could do but if at any time a hamper of butter and eggs and fruit and vegetables should come in handy they'd send it along and welcome he shouldn't even wonder if in case of necessity they could rise to a flitch of bacon or a joint of pork ranny was exquisitely grateful though as for the necessity he didn't see himself depending on his father-in-law for his food supplies he had no foreboding of the importance that hamper from hertfordshire was to assume in the drama of his after-life for the actual hour it stood simply as the measure of mr usher's approval and good-will he was much moved when at parting mrs usher pressed him by the hand and asked him to be gentle with her girl there was no harm mrs usher said in poor vi she was a bit wilful and wild-like all for life was violet but there she'd be as good as gold when she had a home and a kind husband and children of her own mark my words said mrs usher once the baby's come she'll settle down and ranny marked her words this unqualified backing that he got from violet's parents went far to sustain ransome in the conflict with his own he could indeed have embraced mr and mrs usher 
when in consequence of one sunday afternoon's communion with these excellent people his mother declared herself more reconciled than she had been to the idea of ranny's marrying between ranny's mother and mrs usher there was established in one sunday afternoon the peculiar sympathy and intimacy of parents who live supremely in their children with her rosy full-blown robust benevolence mrs usher was a powerful pleader she put it to mrs ransome that nothing mattered so long as the young people were happy if in the pursuit of happiness the young people failed in the first year or two to make ends meet surely among them all they could be given a helping hand she was sure that mr usher would do anything he could in reason the comfortable woman declared that she had taken a fancy such as never was to ranny so had mr usher and he wasn't she could assure you one to take a fancy every day she had never had a boy and it wasn't for not wanting but if she had had one she'd have wished him to be just such another as ranny ranny she was certain was that clever he'd be sure to get along to which argument mrs ransome had to yield for she was confronted with a dilemma having either to agree with mrs usher or to maintain that her ranny was not clever enough to get along so that before sunday evening she found herself partaking in the large-hearted tolerance and optimism of violet's parents enforcing her view upon uncle and aunt randall only mr ransome held out he refused to be worked upon by argument to ranny's amazement the old humming-bird bore himself in those days of stress not with that peculiar savage obduracy that distinguished his more insignificant hostilities but with a certain sad and fine insistence it was as if for the first time in his life he was aware that he cared for his son randall and was afraid of losing him the humming-bird could hardly have suffered more if the issue had been randall's death and not his marriage but when the thing was settled all he said was i don't like it mother i don't like it how profoundly it had disturbed him was shown in this that for the three weeks before ranny's wedding-day he remained completely sober so precipitate so venturesome was ranny that in a month from that memorable sunday he found himself married and established in a house a house that in twenty years time would become his own that was incredible if you like cowardly caution and niggardly prudence had suggested rooms two low-rented unfurnished rooms such as could be found almost anywhere in wandsworth whereas a house in wandsworth was impossible even if you sank as low as jews row or warple way for the first two days of his engagement ranny had devoted every moment of his leisure to the drawing up and balancing of imaginary household accounts with the result that he wondered how he ever could have regarded marriage as a formidable affair why in the seven years since he had begun to earn money he had been steadily putting money by five pounds a year in the first three years then ten then twenty and a whole fifty in the year and a half since he had got his rise with the interest on his savings and his salary his present income was not less than a hundred and twenty-five pounds a year in the night watches he grappled like a man with a financial problem scheme after scheme did ranny throw on the paper from his seething brain in the fifth no the thoroughly revised and definitive seventh he made out that by a trifling reduction in his personal expenditure housekeeping on the two-room system would leave him with a considerable margin in the first rough draft even in the second he had allowed absurdly too much for food and clothing 
but mind you that margin existed solely and strictly on the two-room system and here ranny's difficulties began for neither violet nor her parents would hear of their living in two rooms violet who had lived in one room said that living in two rooms was horrible and mrs usher said that violet was right it was better for all parties to begin as you meant to go on begin in hugger-mugger and you might end in it but if he gave violet a home of her own that was a home at the very start she'd soon settle down in it he needn't worry about the hard work it meant the only thing that would keep violet steady-like was downright hard work no she didn't mean anything cruel they could have a char once a fortnight for a scrub-down and the heavy washing and ranny began all over again and made out another set of accounts on the house basis and allowing for the char impossible even in jew's row or warple way skimp as he would in personal expenditure on the house basis the two ends of ranny's income simply wouldn't meet all the same he began looking for the house the idea of the house the desire for the house worked in his brain like a passion the more impossible it was the more ungovernable the more irresistible he found it and as he wandered forth on that adventure seeking for a house one saturday afternoon accompanied by violet ranny fell into the hands of the speculative builder not very far from wandsworth in the green pasture lands of southfields that great magician was already casting into bricks and mortar his tremendous dream the city of dreams the paradise of little clerks as yet he had called into being only a few streets of his city stretching eastward and southward into the green plain about it southward and eastward there lay acres of naked earth upturned torn and tamed to his hand beyond were the fields with their tall elms unbroken virgin mournful in their last beauty as they waited for the axe and pick he had done terrible things to the green earth that speculative builder but you could not say of him that he had shut out the sky the city ran very low upon the ground in street after street of diminutive two-storied houses each house was joined on to the next porch to porch and bow window to bow window alternating in an endless series a machine-made pattern that repeated a pattern monotonous and yet fantastic in its mingling of purple white and red each had the same little mat of grass laid before each bow window the same little red tiled path from gate to front door the same front door decorated with elaborate panelling and panes of coloured glass the same little machine-made iron gate the same low red wall and iron railing and privet hedge so indistinguishably so maddeningly alike were all these diminutive houses each roof had the same purple slates each roof-tree the same red earthwork edging it like a lace the same red tiles roofed each porch and faced each gable in the space between the stories only when your eyes became accustomed to the endless running pattern could you trace it clearly grasp the detail note that every two bow windows were separated by one rain-pipe every two porches sustained by one pillar one diminutive magnificent purple pillar simulating porphyry and crowned with a rich corinthian capital in free stone the outline of each porch being picked out and made clear and decisive with woodwork painted white then and not till then did you see that the all-important detail was the porphyry pillar for it was as if every two houses sprang from it as two flowers from one stem 
inside each little house had the same narrow passage and steep stairs each had the same small room at the front and one still smaller at the back the same little scullery behind the same back door at the end of the passage that led off into the garden and upstairs the same bathroom over the scullery the same bedrooms back and front and the same tiny dressing-room with its little window looking out over the porch quite enough if we can run to it violet said violet hitherto somewhat indifferent to the adventure was caught by the redness and whiteness the brand newness and compactness of the little houses she was seduced beyond prudence by the sham porphyry pillar quite enough more than we want really said ranny but that was before they had seen the agent and the prospectus they went to the agent not because they could afford to take a house but just for curiosity just to say they'd been just to supply ranny with that information that he craved for now that the passion of the house-hunt was upon him no good going said violet the rent will be something awful why that pillar alone and ranny too said he was afraid the rent wouldn't be any joke but that was precisely what the rent was a joke a joke so good that ranny took for granted it couldn't possibly be true ranny chaffed the agent he told him he was trying to get at him he said you didn't find houses with bathrooms and gardens back and front going for thirteen shillings a week not in this country and the agent who was very busy and preoccupied with making notes in a large notebook at his table mumbled all among his notes that that was right of course you didn't find em unless you knew where to look for em and that was not because a good house couldn't be made to pay for thirteen shillings a week if there was capital and enterprise at the back of the company that built em this here estate was the only estate in england or anywhere where you could pick up a house a house built in an up-to-date style with all the modern improvements for thirteen shillings a week and ranny with a fine shrewdness posed him yes but what about rates and taxes they were included and as the agent said it calmly casually almost making notes in his notebook all the time ranny conceived a ridiculous suspicion he fixed him with a stare that brought him up out of his notebook included what's included district rate said the agent poor rate water rate the whole bag of tricks for thirteen shillings that took ranny's breath away as for violet she said instantly that they must have the house of course you must have it said the agent he might have been an indulgent father why not only thirteen shillings and i can make you better terms than that it was then that he produced the prospectus by this time as if stirred by violet's beauty he had thrown off the mask of indifference he was eager and alert they spent twenty minutes over that prospectus from which it appeared that the profit of the estate company otherwise obscure came from what the agent called the ramifications of the scheme from the miles and miles of houses they could afford to build whereas ranny's profit was patent it came in on the spot and it would come in sooner of course if he could afford to purchase outright for how much two hundred and fifty but there ranny put his foot down he said with decision that it couldn't be done an answer for which the agent seemed prepared well then he could give him better terms again could he rise to twenty-five ranny deliberated and thought he could well then only twenty-five down and the balance weekly the balance it sounded formidable but it worked out at exactly ten pence a week less than the rent asked for twelve and two pence instead of thirteen shillings and in twenty years time and he'd be a young man still then 
the house would be his ranny's as surely as if he had purchased it outright for two hundred and fifty pounds it was astounding such a scheme could only have been dreamed of in the paradise of little clerks and yet and yet it was impossible ranny said he didn't want to be saddled with a house how did he know whether he'd want that particular house in twenty years time then he could let or sell the agent said it was an investment for his money it was property property that was going up and up even supposing what was laughable that he failed to sell he would be paying for his property paying for house and land less weekly than if he rented it ordinarily you paid your rent out of income or investments he would be investing every time he paid his rent people made these difficulties because they hadn't grasped our system or for other reasons maybe the agent fired at him a glance of divination he was calculating the expense of furnishing he was nothing simpler why you furnished on the higher purchase system not much said ranny he knew all about the higher purchase system so he backed out of it he backed out of his paradise out of his dream but to save his face he said he would think it over and let the agent know on monday and the agent smiled he said he could take his time there was no hurry the house wouldn't run away and he gave ranny a copy of the prospectus with a beautiful picture of the house on it all the way home violet reproached him it was a shame she said that he couldn't afford the furniture there was nothing in the world she wanted so much as that beautiful little house she hung on his arm and pleaded would he ever be able to afford the furniture and ranny said he thought he could afford it in two years meanwhile the house wouldn't run away it would wait two years and as if it had been waiting for him motionless from all eternity the house with its allurements and solicitations caught him before six o'clock on the evening of that very day ranny's mother as if she had known what the house was after played into his hands attracted by the prospectus and the picture she walked over to southfields directly after tea she looked at the house and fell in love with it at first sight it had taken her no time to grasp the system you couldn't get a house like that in wandsworth not for fifty or fifty-five not counting rates and taxes it was a sin she said to throw away the chance as for furnishing she had seen to that in fact ranny without knowing it had seen to it himself for the last five years he had kept his father's books conceiving that herein he was fulfilling an essentially unproductive filial duty and all the time his mother with a fine sense of justice had been putting by for him the remuneration that he should have had out of his seven years weekly payments for board and lodging she had saved no less than a hundred pounds thus she had removed the one insurmountable obstacle from ranny's path it might have been better for ranny if she hadn't because on any scheme on the lowest scale of expenditure with the most dexterous manipulation of accounts the house left him without a margin but who would think of margins when he knew that he would grow steadily year by year into a landlord the owner of house property and that if you would believe it for less rent than if he didn't own it so miraculous was the power of twenty-five pounds down as if he thought the house could after all run away from him he bicycled to southfields with a letter for the agent closing with his offer that very night and by a special appointment with the agent made as a concession to his peculiar circumstances he and violet went over before ten o'clock on sunday morning to choose the house for after all they hadn't chosen it yet 
it was difficult to choose among the houses where all were exactly alike but you could choose among the streets for some were planted with young limes and some with plane trees and one acacia avenue with acacias ransome liked the strange tufted acacias puts me in mind of palm trees he said and finally his fancy in violets was taken by one house number forty seven acacia avenue for it stood just opposite a young tree with a particularly luxuriant tuft it was really as if the tree belonged to number forty seven then they discovered that outwardly uniform these little houses had a subtle variety within all or nearly all had different wallpapers in number forty seven there were pink roses in the front sitting-room and blue roses in the back and upstairs quiet graceful patterns of love-knots or trellis work the love-knots blue with little pink rosebuds in the front room their room caught them they were agreed in favour of number forty seven then it was on the following saturday they quarrelled the agent had written inquiring whether mr ransome wished to give his residence a distinctive name he didn't wish it but violet did she wished to give his residence the distinctive and distinguished name of granville she said she couldn't abide a number while ranny said he couldn't stand a name especially a silly name like granville he said that if he lived in a house called granville it would make him feel a silly ass and violet said he was a silly ass already to feel like that about it then violet cried it was the first time he had seen her cry and it distressed him horribly he held out against his pity all saturday evening but on sunday morning when he thought of violet he relented he said he'd changed his mind about that old family seat violet could call it what she liked she called it granville the name in large white letters appeared presently in the fanlight above the door at woolridge's on monday morning in his dinner hour mr ransome of the counting-house strolled with great dignity and honour through seven distinct departments as a customer he earmarked for a beginning and subject always to the approval of a lady three distinct suites of furniture which he proposed most certainly to purchase outright none of your higher purchase systems for mr ransome on tuesday accompanied by two ladies he again appeared between two violent blushes and with an air which would have been light and off-hand if it could mr ransome presented to his friend the foreman his mother and miss usher and as if the foreman had not sufficiently divined her miss usher's averted shoulders burning cheeks and lowered eyelids made it impossible for him to forget that she was the lady whose approval was the ultimate condition of the deal after an immensity of time in which mr ransome's dinner hour was swallowed up and lost miss usher decided finally on the sweet in stained walnut upholstered handsomely in plush with a pattern which ransome imagined to be oriental a pattern of indefinite design in a yellowish drab and heavy blue upon a ground of crimson a splendid suite the overmantel alone was worth the nineteen pounds nineteen shillings he paid for it the furnishing of the chamber of the love-knots was arranged for decorously between mrs ransome and the foreman over every item from the wardrobe in honey-coloured maple picked out with black to the china set with crimson reeds and warblers on it ranny's friend the foreman communed with ranny's mother in an intimate aside 
and ranny's mother in another aside of even more accentuated propriety appealed to flaming cheeks and lowered eyelids and a mouth that gave an almost inarticulate assent the eyelids refused to open on ranny where he stood turning his back on the women while he shook dubiously the foot-rail of the iron double bedstead to test the joints and the mouth refused to speak when ranny was heard complaining that the bedstead was about three sizes too large for the room eyes and mouth recovered only downstairs among the carpets where they again asserted themselves by insisting on a kidderminster with a slender pattern of blue on a drab ground though ranny's mother had advised a black and crimson ranny's mother contended almost with passion that drab showed every stain but violet would have that carpet and no other and when by struggles and by prodigies of strength on ranny's part and on the part of woolridge's men by every kind of physical persuasion and by coaxing by strategy and guile all that furniture from seven distinct departments was at last squeezed into granville well there was hardly room to turn round granville that would have held its own under any treatment less severe was overpowered by woolridge's what's wrong with it said poor ranny as they stood together one saturday evening and surveyed their front sitting-room he couldn't see anything wrong with it himself they had been married that morning ranny had had to bring his bride straight from her father's house to granville there could be no going away for the honeymoon woolridge's wouldn't let ranny go till the sales were over it was only a minute ago that he had had his arm round violet's waist and that her face had pressed his it seemed ages and suddenly violet had shown sulkiness and irritation he couldn't understand it he couldn't understand how she could have chosen their first hour of solitude for finding fault with the arrangement of the room he himself had been distinctly pleased proud too of having furnished throughout from woolridge's in a style that would last and at a double discount which he owed to his payment in ready money and to his connection with the firm now he faced a young woman who had no understanding of his pride and no pity it's all wrong said she and i'll tell you for why it's too heavy you should have furnished in bamboo bamboo shampoo it wouldn't last said ranny who wants the silly things to last said violet come to that you never let on it was bamboo you wanted how could i know what i wanted you rushed me so you never gave me time to think oh i say said ranny what a tiresome kitty with that he kissed her and between the kisses he asked her with delirious rapidity who gave you a drawing-room suite who gave you a nice house who let you call it granville but he knew nobody indeed knew better than ranny how tight a squeeze it was and what a horrible misfit for granville then suddenly something in the idea of granville tickled him whether is it he inquired that the drawing-room suite is too large for granville or that granville is too small for the drawing-room suite it's too small for anything and i think you might have waited waited yes why shouldn't we have gone on as we were he couldn't criticize her in a moment that was still so blessed otherwise it might have struck him that granville was certainly too small for violet's voice but it struck ranny's mother as she heard it from the bedroom overhead where she laboured spreading with her own hands the sheets for her son's marriage bed why shouldn't we violet's voice insisted because we couldn't he drew her to him her eyes closed and their faces met flame to flame poor little thing he said is its head hot and is it tired ranny she said 
is your mother still upstairs she'll be gone in a minute he whispered thickly end of chapter thirteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine